0: Welcome back to Tower Talks, your conversational podcast from Washington National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. I'm Erin, and on today's episode, we're talking to Dora Correa, one of our lovely docents and an active member of the cathedral's congregation. Dora is a relatively new docent at the cathedral, but her love of history, architecture, and religious studies shines through in everything that she does. And she certainly knows her stuff. Originally from Bogota, Colombia, she is also bilingual and bicultural, which brings its own unique perspective to her work. I am so glad I got the chance to talk to her about the many things she loves about the cathedral. Here's Dora on Tower Talks. Hey Dora! Hey! How are you doing? Good! How are you doing? I'm good. You know, hanging in there. (laughs) Keeping on, keeping on. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. This no, is really
1: great. No, not at all. Not at all. It is my pleasure, believe me. It's my pleasure. So, to start, would you mind introducing yourself for the folks at home? My name is Dora Correa, and I am a Washingtonian of about 30 years already, but I have sort of two sides of my personality. I was born in Bogota, Colombia,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and came here when I was very young. And I have had the blessing. I've had the great fortune of being able to sort of use those two sides of my heritage. I'm bilingual, bicultural, and throughout my professional career, I've really taken advantage of that. I had a very long career in international development where I worked in both Latin America and the Caribbean. Mm
2: -hmm. And then
1: I became a school teacher and uh, I taught mostly immigrants in Maryland. So always the Spanish part of me, and the American English part of me. And right now, I have been a docent at the National Cathedral for about three years. Mm. And in that, not only am I docenting, but I also love a number of the activities that the cathedral has. So I am also part of its sanctuary committee, Mm. where one of my favorite activities is supporting and trying to advocate for immigrant rights. Mm -hmm. So that is a very, very, very important part of what we do in addition to praying. And it it just, it flows very nicely with everything we do at the cathedral and the worship services. And of course, that links into everything that we're doing right now with Mm -hmm. the COVID emergency fund. There's one thing that flows into another, but they're all connected. So that's sort of the the big picture of, of who I am and what I'm doing these days.
0: Do you remember the first time you experienced the cathedral, what that was like, what you felt when you walked in the door?
1: I remember being awed by the first time, uh, but I was awed also just by the outside of it. I live close by and so for many, many, many years, I would walk around the cathedral and just admire that impressive, magnificent facade. So everything about the cathedral, I always thought was beautiful. But I think that there sort of came a moment when it sort of went beyond just admiring it. And it was really becoming a docent and learning more about the cathedral, sort of making it part of my everyday life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I realized something that the cathedral for me, it alerts, it inspires all my, you know, it takes up all your senses. It's the eyes, uh, the music, the ears. There's just an incredibly moving, element to the cathedral with all your senses. And of course, your heart, your heart, uh, because you're in such a a place that inspires, you know, sort of the spiritual side of you. But there's also the brain part. Mm -hmm. And that I guess is something that I've always really appreciated about the cathedral, that it speaks to me in both a spiritual way and an intellectual way. And I found that just so engaging. So as a docent, I've been able to sort of feed both parts, Both the spiritual part of my life and enrich it with the cathedral, but also the intellectual part, trying to understand how the cathedral was constructed, why it was constructed the way it was constructed, and what are sort of the great historical trends and the big philosophical ideas that lie behind that. So that's been really fascinating for me.
0: To clarify, were you a member of the congregation first, or did you become a docent first and then sort of get more involved with the life of the cathedral?
1: Through becoming a docent, then I became more involved in all of the other activities of the cathedral and in the worship as well. Yeah. Got it. So, yeah,
0: yeah. so what was sort of the inciting moment where you said I want to I wanna be a docent here? This is a thing that I want to learn how to do and participate in.
1: I think that the the moment was A moment where I felt personally that I needed, I guess, a a space for for reflection, for peace. I found that perhaps just taking political action was not enough,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: that that was not really uh, supporting my spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. So I think that with the cathedral, I believe that I'm engaging in a new way, in a way that is more inspiring. And in a way that gives me sort of inner sustainability, if you will,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I become less frustrated because I think many of us can get many very frustrated, particularly if you're an advocate of migration issues and so forth, mm-hmm. of, of welcoming the stranger. There's mm-hmm. so much that can make you so, uh, so sad. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so you need that optimism and that spiritual balm mm-hmm. that the cathedral can offer.
0: It's very much bread and roses, right? It's not just, do I have the time or the energy, but do I also have the spiritual renewal to do the things that I need to do and get through these difficult times? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. And one of the things that I found that's really interesting about the cathedral is that, and this now goes back it goes into the docenting part. I love these dualities that we have. For example, in, in the nature of our highlights tour, where we are talking about two stories, where we're talking about a spiritual story, a religious story, and we're also talking about our nation's history. And so you have obviously the artwork, which is varied in its forms from stained glass, to stone, wood, needlepoint, wrought iron. And you have the stories of the Bible that sort of come alive in all of these different and incredible forms. And then you have also the great moments in history, you have George Washington there. You have Abe Lincoln. You have the Civil War, World War One, World War Two, and you go around the cathedral, and you are reliving these great moments and also very trying moments. And I love the fact that these ideas, the great philosophical ideas, are sort of captured in the cathedral. For example, what is it that drives... George Washington and our founding fathers. It's the ideas of the enlightenment, of of justice, of self-determination. I find those big ideas really wonderful. And I find them that when you put them together, they are just so powerful because you then put them together with a lot of the uh, basic universal Christian principles of loving your neighbor Right. You go up to the altar and you see right there in stone, Matthew 25, about feeding the hungry, about giving water to the thirsty, about visiting those who are in prison, about welcoming the stranger. So I find that intersection of the religious and the big trends in our national history really
0: important. So speaking of duality and sort of these two things coming into into one intersecting point. You speak Spanish, which you talked about, you're bilingual, and occasionally you are called upon to give tours to Spanish-speaking visitors, which is a wonderful gift that we can offer those folks. How do the different languages lend themselves to differences in storytelling or guiding a visitor through this space? Are there ways in which the sort of storytelling that you do shifts when you shift between those two languages? That's a really
1: interesting question. I've been trying to, people who know me in both
0: languages suggest that
1: I have a slightly different approach to things, whether I'm speaking one language or the other, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess there there are those those cultural, those fundamental linguistic differences. But I must admit that I find that there are certain, uh, well, first of all, the jargon, the Mm -hmm. architectural, the art jargon is something that I do find that's challenging. Uh, so it really is something that, you know, you have to read up on and you have to read it up on it in that language so that you can present it in a way that's understandable. But I think that those universal concepts, the stories from the Bible, the big philosophical ideas, I think those translate rather well. And I guess it's the way perhaps your choice of words is a little bit different. Um, you have to explain it a little bit more or a little bit less. But I find that I am eager to share you know all of the the themes and and the artwork in the cathedral with people who are Spanish speakers i even love the fact that in the, the cathedral is so rich with artwork and so rich with allusions and references to almost everything that you can even find a South American window. So even when I've had uh, visitors from South America, I can always lead them to that window. And there you can see South American Founding Fathers. There you can see Simon Bolivar. You can see uh, San Martin. So there's something for everyone in the cathedral.
0: I think that's One of the truths of the cathedral is that it's just so vast and it's so expansive and there's so many little details everywhere that there is truly something for any situation and any person to resonate with or find. There's a way in for everybody, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. That reminds me of something that you just asked me a little while ago. I do student tours. I always ask them. I say, okay, here you are in this space. Look up, look around. What do you feel? And I love their descriptions because it's always awesome, you know, big, safe, great, and that sort of makes you think of why it is that this particular style, the Gothic style, became all the rage, you know, in medieval Europe. So one of the things that I love about the the docenting, and again, this goes back to this intellectual curiosity, is trying to figure out sort of why. did it become the rage because we know we can appreciate the beauty of it but i've always thought that there had to be something else than just sort of the the fact of being able to produce that kind of a building so recently i've been i've been studying up on gothic architecture Mm -hmm. and the medieval time and sort of what were the big thoughts of the medieval time and I love the, the history of it, because I think that we can understand how it is that these great cathedrals came to be. And of course, we see these trends, you know, you see urbanization, people gathering in groups and settlements, there's more commerce, there's more wealth. And all of a sudden, you start in medieval Europe, once you didn't have the, you know, the goths, the invading goths going around and invading Europe. You had an ability to sort of shift from the sort of the church's fortress to a church as a place of beauty, of honoring God, and just really letting your imagination soar and using all sorts of knowledge from different parts of the world to make it as absolutely as grand as possible. So one of the things I love about Gothic is that it sort of builds upon everything else so Gothic is made possible because, you know, remember the monks out there in the medieval times studying and translating, and they're doing all this work, and they make these innovations possible. The, the the pointed arch, algebra from from the Arabs comes in, and geometry, and and then all of a sudden you you get away, you you're able to get away from these you know heavy fortress walls to these thin walls, to these beautiful vaulted ceilings that have so many, you know, where the, where the ribs give you a sense of, um, of a different planes rather than something very simple, you know, mm-hmm. very, very simple length. With. So I was really fascinated by this term. And I, sometimes I say that to my students that I that tour. Just imagine, you know, here you are in a very dark environment, in a fortress-like environment, and then all of a sudden, light comes in and this idea of god is light that i think is is absolutely wonderful how they were able to then make that that concept of god is light into something that it would be embodied in a building so that i think is fascinating.
0: <laughs> so, what? So, then, what are you reading? Like, do you have any recommendations for resources for learning more about either Gothic architecture in general or the cathedral in specific?
1: Well, I think that there are so many, so many resources. But one right now that I think is kind of a fun one is that there is a PDF special on building Notre Dame. Mm. So that is again a historical tour where you learn about the building of the cathedral, its renovation, and it takes you right up to the present. So you see the most recent pictures of of Notre Dame, but you also see how it began. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's a a very sort of a nice journey through one of the gems, certainly, of, Mm -hmm. of Gothic architecture. And then I guess the other thing I wanted to
0: mention is you had a question about Legos. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've, I had very every intention of asking you about the Lego project. <laughs> Believe it or not, Legos
1: are a great way to engage with Gothic architecture and to understand the sort of basic themes behind it. For example, for students, when I talk about the construction, many of them, when they come in, they have these great, you know, these um, adjectives the, the magnificent, the, the, you know, the awesome. But they don't sometimes appreciate what it took to build these incredibly high ceiling, these buildings that had so much light because they're sort of used to skyscrapers, right? They're used Mm -hmm. to skyscrapers and the use of glass everywhere. So when you, you then give them the analogy of the blocks, the building blocks, how the limestone blocks were put one on top of the other. And if you say to them, well, think about when you were doing Legos, because Legos are like that. It's a matter of arranging blocks in a way where you can get height. And you have these balancing forces and you have these elements of the pillars and the arches, and then the flying buttresses that hold the walls up. So I think it's a it's a really neat way of having a modern day generation understand how amazing that uh, coming together, that, that design of counterbalancing forces was in the 12th century when this came about. So I, I like that about the, the Lego. I think it's a great analogy. And then the other thing I like about it is that in Legos, you build in modules. And as it turned out, that's sort of one of the key characteristics of Gothic It's modules that are joined together. And this comes from this view that you take shapes and then you sort of multiply that same shape Mm -hmm. and you have shapes within shapes. There is something called a mise en abîme, which means that you are putting a copy of an image within an image so that you get this sense of an ever-repeating sequence. And I think of that when I think of, you know, we've been building the outer aisle bays. Each bay is a module and it's structurally, they're all sort of identical. They had the the pointed arches and the pillars. However, when you put them together along the aisle, they give you a visually very, very interesting impact. It, it It would be, I mean, so much more exciting to the eye than having just a long corridor. And so... That really gives me a sense of how it is that Gothic architecture is done in these modular constructions, and it makes it much more complex. Mm
0: -hmm. It makes
1: it easier to build. You can build bigger, and you can build in a way that's aesthetically just so much more interesting.
0: Absolutely. It also occurred to me while you were relaying that the building of the Lego Cathedral in some ways models the practical reality of building the real-life cathedral in the sense that it's donations-based. So as we acquired the money to build the Lego Cathedral, so did the cathedral itself acquire funds in increments to build the real cathedral. So that analogy is also quite sort of fun to think about, and it only just occurred to me when you were talking about that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I think the more that you think about the Lego project, the more similarities you come up with. So it really is, it's a great exercise. And the nice thing is that it's accessible to everyone and you're right about the donations. Absolutely. That's exactly the way the church was built through private donations, little bits and bigger bits. So
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. So you do so much, obviously, you, you, you sort of have so many touchstones within the cathedral. Do you have, is it possible even for you to pick a favorite type of tour to give or way to interact with a visitor when you're in that space? Is there something that just resonates with you a little bit more than the others?
1: One of the things that I love about the cathedral is that because it is so rich, it has so much to offer, so many themes, that it is for me a way to be constantly learning about different historical periods, about uh, different biblical stories. There is just so much there that it's hard for me to think about a favorite tour. I think every tour has special moments in it. The Claire story, those North Claire story windows that I love to do when I do the behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. That's a, a moment where people just, you can see them reflecting upon this and really seeing how that national and that religious story come together. Um, so I love that moment, but I also love the moments of being able to explore new themes and developed new ways of showing the cathedral. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward, for example, to learning about the Torrenti. Mm. And I'm sure that there we'll have have some other insights to add, but there's a richness in the cathedral. I think that we will constantly be exploring and hopefully uh, we will be offering it in a way that will show people that there's always something new. Mm -hmm. You've done the BTS, you know, you've done the the behind the scenes, you've done the highlights, but look, there's something else that we're going to do. So um, those endless possibilities are what really drive me and and what I look forward to. So can't wait to get
0: back. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Another sort of fun question in that vein of always learning is Do you remember either the best question that you've ever gotten on a tour from a visitor or your favorite question to get from visitors and what the answer to that, that question would be?
1: I like those questions where people ask, for example, why is Woodrow Wilson buried at the cathedral? I like that question because I think it brings up this idea of a national story. Mm -hmm. but the national story being very, very uh, wound up in history and also in the cathedral's own evolution and development. That connection between the dean, the grandson, and the president,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, and, and that personal relationship that made it such that it had to be the cathedral where the burial place would be. I also love uh, the space window, the relationship of Michael Collins coming to inaugurate that window uh, when, when he had a very, again, a very special relationship with the cathedral when he as a young boy went to St. Albans. Mm-hmm. I also uh, love these stories about Ron Lecomte about, you know, coming to the cathedral at a very young age and doing his first window and then falling in love and spending his entire life doing those gorgeous the creation window and the, uh, and the 18 windows of the Clara story. I mean, those are, when people ask about who did this, I think that it's, a, it's wonderful to be able to talk about the love and the passion that these people felt for the cathedral The other one is Froman, my God, another one. Froman comes in as he's the architect and then he stays throughout his entire life and just really makes the cathedral, for me, not just another Gothic cathedral, but a really an American Gothic cathedral. I love the idea of the cathedral as an American cathedral. And I love it when you come in and you see George Washington on one hand and you see Abe Lincoln, because I think the cathedral is the promise of something new. It is the promise of America. So I I, I love those questions where uh, you sort of melt history and that personal element into
0: mm-hmm. it. It's almost impossible to answer this question, and I apologize for asking it in advance. If you had to pick a single word to describe the cathedral, what would that word be and why?
1: I think the cathedral is magnificent. And um, I think that, that captures, for me, elements of size, of scope, of variety, and of
0: possibility. Is there anything in particular that you're really looking forward to returning to when we're able to reopen and go back?
1: I'm really looking forward to, one of the, I think one of the themes of, um, of people who are now looking forward past the stay-at-home orders and so forth is looking forward to engaging in activities, but doing it in a different way, in a better way. So I am hoping that we will be more creative, that we will be more innovative, that we will be able to offer Different types of tours, tours that appeal to different interests and different sensibilities, and do it in a way that's, you know, that really maximizes this absolutely wonderful combination of the spiritual and the intellectual.
0: That's a wonderful thing to hope for, and I hope we can live up to it. (laughs) We can always strive, 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 strive. I look forward to that too. Actually, there's been a sort of forced adaptation in the way that we're thinking about the cathedral and what it means to be a public venue and what it means to be a place of national significance and how can you balance needing to protect a community and be safe and also wanting to share a very in-person experience with people. So there's a lot of ways in which those questions are very present for everybody in the cathedral, but I think particularly for anybody who interacts directly with visitors. So our docent core, our visitor program staff, our events team, and the worship team, certainly, how you move forward from where we are now. And that is sort of a wide open highway of possibility. (laughs) And it's equal parts exciting and challenging and also a little intimidating.
1: A little intimidating. But, you know, I've been so impressed with what the cathedral has done during this time. Mm -hmm. I think the services online have been amazing. And and I think that the, the reception that they've gotten, when you look at things like views and so forth, I think it's really good. I think that this has opened up a whole new area a whole new audience Mm -hmm. segment and so i think that we can now build upon that even though it will be you know though i'm sure there will be sort of awkward moments you know the masks and you know what to do about masks face masks and so forth i'm sure we're we're gonna we're gonna adjust we're gonna get through this and um and we'll be offering something absolutely wonderful to our visitors
0: thank you so much for taking the time it I cannot tell you how wonderful it's been just to hear your voice (laughs) for a little while. Also, you have a very soothing voice and always have, so it's just (laughs) nice to reconnect with you.
1: The soothing voice that comes from my, my docenting, right? Where you have to soothe people.
0: You don't absolutely. want to get that.
2: Yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: There's also, there's sort of multiple ways of doing the docent voice. There's, there's no other way to put it. So there's a sort of large and in charge. Like I'm here to like project and be loud and tell you what's going exactly, on. And that, exactly. Absolutely suits like for certain situations, especially like, you know, real punchy eighth graders. Like oh, I get yeah. it. Yeah. 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 But you have that voice where it's like, no, you're going to listen to me because I am. Little, <laughs> I'm going to draw you in, and I envy that because I'm a large and in charge gal. Like that's my voice. <laughs> you can tell. So your voice is very soothing to me and very welcome in this time. <laughs> I'm glad. Well, anyway, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I really, really appreciate you talking. Oh, Erin, I
1: I hope I hope this turns out to be something that that people will find interesting. I'm. I'm mm-hmm. It may be a little bit obscure, but. Oh,
0: well. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with a niche audience, put it that way. <laughs> Even <laughs> if we reach 20 people, that's 20 people that have taken something away from this. So mm-hmm. thank you so much, Dora. I appreciate well, it so much. Thank you
1: very much, Erin. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. And thank you for, so much for, for thinking of me because I, I don't have the, you know, the years of experience that got Andy, forget it. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe, no way. And even Camille. I mean, Camille is totally out of my league. On I'm a little novice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's an interesting perspective, though. Yeah, I yeah. am also a novice. I've been here like a year and a half, and sometimes yes, they tell me yes, these yes. stories, and I'm like, I will never know all the things mm-hmm. that you know. <laughs> So it's nice to get the sort of diversity of experience right, and right, right, breadth right, of experience right. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I also hope that, you know, these interviews exist in posterity and sort yeah. of moving forward, we're sort of preserving a snapshot yes, of the cathedral as it absolutely. is now. Absolutely,
1: yes. An impression from people about it. Yep. Um, because we all come at the cathedral in such
0: different ways. hmm Very well, cool, very cool. Thank you so much. I I thank look you. forward to seeing you in person one day. <laughs> yes, one day, one okay. day. We're all hoping, right? We're all yep. hoping. That... Fingers crossed when it's safe to do so. But I know all you right, take boy. care, okay, Erin? Thank too. you very much for
1: thinking about me. I really appreciate. it.
0: Absolutely, stay cute. in touch. Bye. Take care. Bye. <laughs> Thanks again to Dora for participating in this week's episode, and thank you to you for listening. Remember to check our website, www.cathedral.org, to stay connected to the Cathedral via virtual tours, worship services, activities, and other great online content. Additionally, as Dora mentioned, the Cathedral is always working to find ways to care for the local community. One opportunity coming up is our Pack the Truck food drive on June 10th and 11th, 2020. We're partnering with the Capital Area Food Bank and the Emergency Child Care Initiative to distribute non-perishables and baby items to folks who need them. Thanks also to Atmosphere Lighting for lending us their truck. Drop-off is contactless, and folks are asked to please wear a mask when dropping off items. For more information, please check out our post on Facebook, linked in the summary of this episode, which has all the details. As always, we hope you are safe and well, and that this podcast brings you one step closer to the cathedral community. We look forward to connecting with you again next week on Tower Talks.